You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Would you guys join me in thanking our band for just always giving us such great worship and uh, facilitating? It's so good. Well, uh, you know, we regularly have other teachers besides me, and the reason that we do that is not just when I'm out of town or whenever I'm on vacation, but it's because there is a diversity of voices within our own church that I believe to be very important. And one of those voices is my dear friend, Lorena Garza Gonzalez, and she's actually one of my advisors here in the church that advises me on church decisions. And uh, not only does she serve as one of our volunteer eagles right here in City Tribe Church, but she serves churches and nonprofits all over the United States and in other countries, other parts of the world through an organization that she works for called Urban Strategies. And so you'll find her presence to be kind of like a warm hug with a little bit of spice in it, right on? And so would you guys join me in giving a rowdy and warm welcome to my dear Sister Lorena Garza Gonzalez. Buen dia, good morning. How are we doing? I just want to say we we have such a good, good God, and I feel it. Thank you, worship team. Um, I want to thank our pastor, Doug, um, for inviting me back. It's a privilege and a responsibility I take seriously. I do want to make a disclaimer. I will be referencing some names from our Bible. And, you know, sometimes they're not easy. So bear with me. You'll see me modify them. You see me chop them up. But I'm only human. Many of you, my friends here, are gifted in so many areas. And I'm in awe of you. I follow your lead and cultivate. I I learn in the prayer tribe groups You have been my coaches. You have inspired me. There are amazing women here at City Tribe. You see, I grew up in a traditional Mexican family. It was often said to me, sentadita y calladita, te ves más bonita. Seated and quiet, you look prettier. These messages were instilled at a very young age, and the consequence today is that many of us still hear those messages in our heads, in our thoughts, in our actions or inactions. Many of us continue to hear, callate, tu que sabes? What do you know? Who do you think you are? Often these messages are subtle and not so obvious, and we retreat. We stay silent We refuse to share our ideas for being judged. Today, we will explore how God is calling us women to live out our purpose. This message is not about women's lib or a feminist agenda. This is about highlighting the value of women to bring to God's table. And the message is not just for women. I suspect that the men in attendance who are believers want to learn the richness of the compelling call the Lord has for your wife or girlfriend, for your daughter, for your mother, 
the circle of women around you. So today, our big idea is this. It's not women's desire to flourish. It's God's desire for women to flourish. We are women. We women are co barriers of the word of God, co-laborers in the kingdom, co-recipients in one faith, one baptism, and one spirit in Christ. And together with our brothers, we will rejoice in the fullness of that that is the body of Christ. So what does the Bible tell us? Let's just start with, with that sentiment in our heart, both men and women. What does the Bible tell us? So Genesis 1, uh, 27 says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Women are created in the image of God, just as men, not more important, not better, but equal. And yet... We are not always visible, spoken of, or hold positions of influence. I most often recall church being led by men, scripture highlighting men, and not necessarily seeing myself in the church other than as a helper to men. Now, I love being a helper. I suspect that I and we add value to both our Christian and secular world. Matthew says in 19, three to five, when the Pharisees were questioning Jesus, he replies, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made male and female. I often think God made both men and women to complement each other. Each of our giftings are unique for a variety of reasons, right? Uh, we have different lived experiences, our culture, our gender, ethnicity, and role. I will tell you a few years ago, I was uh, in a meeting to trying to retrain, re- retain the president of a university for a few more years. So we were in this committee meeting and we were like thinking and thinking, how do we keep her two more years? Three men and me. So the first man says, I have an idea. Let's give her a raise. I'm like, okay. Now, I had come to know the president fairly well. And like me, she'd become a grandmother. And she was loving on her babies who were in Virginia. And she was in San Antonio. So the next man says, hey, I got a better idea. Let's give her a bonus. I also knew how much she made. That was a lot of money. The third man says, "Uh uh-uh, I have the idea. Let's give her a raise and a bonus. And I said, these guys don't get it. So I said, well, what about if we gave her a four-day work week and tickets to fly home every other weekend so she can see her grandbabies? They're like, what? No money? No bonus? No. So they make the offer to the president, and she was overjoyed. She said, how did you know? That's what I needed. Yeah, because there was a woman in the mix. (laughs) She, like me, was a grandmother, and I understood her. 
because I too am a grandmother. In the Jewish world in the first century, women, women were a little more than servants. Many Jewish men prayed each morning, God, I thank you that I am not Gentile, slave, or a woman. In Greek society, the women's situation was even worse because concubines were common and a wife's role was simply to bear legitimate children and keep the house. And Roman women, they had an identity only because of their husband or their father. This says to me, I have no value. I'm disrespected and I don't have any identity apart from man. But Jesus, mm, mm, Jesus regarded women in almost a revolutionary way. Compared to his contemporaries, this man stood for women and said, women, I need you to be a co-laborer in my kingdom. Jesus empowers us. While the word empower is often used, we always hear, oh, I'm going to empower this group or I'm going to empower that group. I see the term empowering as I'm depositing my power in someone else. And actually, I believe it's the Holy Spirit, the only one who can empower. I struggled with that word so much because I didn't feel better than anybody that I could give them my power. And in one sermon, Doug used the word activate. And I said, I want the Holy Spirit to empower every woman because she's already made in his image. I simply want to activate that in her. So to do that today, I want to talk about three points, all supported by Bible, that helps us feel empowered. Not by me. I'm not going to empower you. I hope I can activate you. But I hope you're empowered by the words that is clear in our Bible and that the Holy Spirit brings to us. We will talk about voice, timing, and the partners and allies and hermanos that we need to live out this full body of Christ. So what do we mean when we say a woman's voice? First, it's not the volume. Many women are strong contributors with a humble, gentle voice. A loud, yelling, screaming, and an angry voice is also not an effective one. If you knew me in college, you would have, in fact, seen an angry voice. You would have heard me yell and scream, and it's got to be this way. We got to do it this way. The injustice has to stop. Today, the foundation of my voice is in my faith. It's the core, uh, and it is based in love, the Holy Spirit love. My voice is reflecting how deeply Jesus loves me, and then I push that out in my voice to others. So today I still get angry about the injustices in the world, but today I build bridges in response to those injustices. I want to recognize that some of us have been supported and offered the space for our voice to be, to, for our voice to resonate. But I will tell you, in the vast experience of my career, many women are suffocating 
because of the inability to share with their spouses, co-workers, pastors, supervisors. The who do you think you are? Do you really have anything to contribute? Comes back up. Now, I know this might seem foreign to some of us here because here at City Tribe Church, we're such collaborators and we have a pastor who builds and fosters that. In my profession, I work alongside many churches throughout the United States and Central America. And before COVID, I had worked with some pastoras and a wife and wives of pastors in East L.A., We did some training and conducted some work called healing circles, very similar to uh, Cultivate. And we came together and I posed one question. How's it been for you lately? And these women, for the following hours, wept, expressed emotion, and cried. And when one pastora said to me, I'm so sorry, no one had asked me how it been for me lately. I'm sorry that I had been crying. And my sister, crying is good. You're making space for the strength. Yeah. According to the American Constitution Society, there is a high disparity of women sitting as state judges in the U.S. They term this phenomenon the gavel gap. And yet, in the book of Judges, a book dominated by male leaders, we find Deborah's story. Oh my gosh, I was so, I can't even tell you. My response is I went deeper and deeper in studying Deborah. She is one of the most influential women of the Bible and the only mentioned female judge. She was known for her wisdom, her courage, and it is the only woman in the Old Testament who is known for her faith and her own action, and not because she had a relationship to a husband or to a man. As a prophetess, Judge Deborah was said to hear God's voice and voice God's words with others. We learn in Judges, Israel was being oppressed by the Canaanite king named Jabin of Hazar. And he was the commander of the army of Sisera. He had 900 iron chariots and was a ruthless oppressor of Israel for 20 years. People in Israel needed help. The people of Israel cried out, Lord, help us. And so God sent Deborah. You know, when I thought of Deborah being the first judge, I was reminded how years ago, when Sonia Sotomayor was nominated to the Supreme Court, how overjoyed and excited we were. She looked like me. She spoke like me. She wore hoops like me. Literally, she was a Latina judge, the first It was so exciting for us. We held parties all over our city. And actually, in one of these parties, we got so excited and we were dancing the conga. Well, needless to say, there was a reporter from the New York Times there. Snapped a picture. I later then find out, made the front page of the New York Times. Now, I always wanted to make the front page of a newspaper for my work, my research. 
Eh, I'm on there for dancing the conga. And it's exciting to see once again that there's been another woman appointed to the Supreme Court. And I hope I have the opportunity to meet this stellar woman named Judge Amy Conan Barrett. My emotion in studying Deborah caused so much excitement that I did want to dance the conga. But she too was the first. But Deborah didn't have time for the conga. She had a battle. She had a battle before her. So she sent for Barak, the son of Abinoam. Oh, a little better. And she said to him, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded you? Go and deploy troops to Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men. Barak responds, I get this. If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. As Deborah, I often find myself with men, leading, facilitating, growing, working with men for my family, my work, my church community. And as you see Deborah and Barack, Deborah has a specific response for him when he doesn't want to go alone. Very well. I will go with you, says Deborah, but you will receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory over Sisera will be in the hands of a woman. Ooh-hoy. Now, while I got all excited when I read that, I realized that she wasn't showing off. She wasn't a proudful woman, an arrogant woman. What she was saying here is this is a significant moment. Let it be known that the Lord's victory over Sisera is in the hands of a woman. It's a big deal. Deborah clearly saw and shows us she was not afraid. She listened to God, derived her strength from him, and used her voice to co-labor in the kingdom. Yeah, that's how I felt about Deborah. And so I want to talk about our second point today, the idea of timing. Let's Think about timing. How often as women do we struggle with action or inaction on moving on something? Well, I'm just not ready. I need more time. Maybe next time. Yeah, that's me. When Doug first asked me, hey, can you come to church and do it? Me? No, not me. Give me a couple years. Let me go to uh, divinity school, get a degree. I need to learn more theology. It's not my time. We are to trust God and his timing for us. Let us not make excuses, but rather listen and trust. Often women say to me, well, I wish I would have gone to college, but at this point I'd be graduating when I'm 40. Girl, you're going to turn 40 anyway. You might as well finish 40 with a degree. So now let's look at Esther, whose timing was impeccable. Esther was a Jewish woman, let me not trip over this, was a Jewish woman being raised by her cousin Mordecai. The king at the time no longer had interest for his queen, and I'm going to call her Queen V, Queen Vashidi, but I just make it easier for me, it's Queen V. You see, Queen V had dis- disobeyed the king's request to parade in front of all, all these drunken men 
and be seen and not not at. She said, no, I'm not doing that. Now, we don't often see Queen V as a significant character in the story of Esther, but the queen's timing to leave is quite significant. It was timing and an act of defiance that opened the door for Esther. I often gain opportunities because other women's timing and their defiance influence me and open doors for me. If you think about Malala, the young woman who was shot by the Taliban for simply advocating the right of education for all all girls in her country. I'm not sure what faith she was, but as Doug says, she's a boss. Her defiance opened the door to change opportunities for young girls to get an education. Some years ago, I was invited to serve on a board called Network Catholic Social Justice. When I was invited, I said, nah, a bunch of old nuns. What am I going to do there? But boy, was I wrong. These women were defiant women all the way to the Pope. The Pope was upset at them because they were being active in the community, advocating for the poor. Well, Sister Simone Campbell and her organization and congregation was told by the Pope, now, now, you nuns, just settle down, get on your knees, and pray for the poor. Well, Simone and the congregation were defiant and wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not just pray, but pray and act like he did. Can you imagine as a Catholic nun, getting in trouble by the Pope? A month ago, she received the Medal of Freedom from the President of the United States. She has been an inspiration to me, has taught me so much growth in my own faith, and I continue to step out in a little bit of defiance. So let's go back to Queen V. After the departure of Queen V, a search was made for beautiful virgins to be flaunted to the king. In Esther 2 to 24, his personal attendant suggested, let's search the empire for beautiful women into the royal harem at the fortress of Susa. The young woman who most pleases the king will be made the queen of Ashidi. Well, the king loved Esther more than any other. He set the crown on her and declared her queen. Now remember, she had not shared her nationality and her family background as instructed by Mordecai. Soon trouble comes to the kingdom. Haman was promoted, making him the most powerful official in the empire. So Haman discovers Mordecai's nationality. And rather than going to punish him, he looks at him and says, I will destroy all the Jews in the entire empire. I'm not kidding you. Esther reads like a telenovela. Híjole, the drama, and I know it. I sit with my 88-year-old mother, who Choco, who and I sit and watch these novelas. Puro drama. But Esther tells us they dispatched and were sent to the couriers of the king's provinces in the order to destroy and kill 
all Jews, young and old, women and children, to plunder all their goods. Esther is painfully aware of her circumstances. Although she's the queen, it's against the law to approach the king without being summoned. The penalty for breaking that law, apart from the king's favor, is death. However, on the other hand, if she does nothing, this is what Mordecai says will happen. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise in another place, but you and your family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Does Esther say, nah, it's not my time. No, I'm not ready. I need a little bit more training or study. Oh, just next time. No, Esther responds by putting her hope in God and sends words to Mordecai for everyone to fast and pray for three days. Yeah, as Doug says, another boss lady. Have you ever been in a situation where you have to jump in and just do something? Well, maybe not die, but the risk feels like I'm about to die. But like Esther, we need to put our faith in God and just do it. God delivered through Esther. After three days, Esther courageously put on her royal robes and stood in the place she might have died. But instead of death, the king granted her favor and asked her what she wanted. Haman was executed and Mordecai was honored. God empowered the Jews to defend themselves with God any risk is possible. We women, we women often fear taking these risks. The little voice comes back to our shoulder and says, sentadita y calladita te ves más bonita. Seated and quiet, you look prettier. Sisters, you are the daughters of the greatest king. Tu papi es el rey. And as his daughters, we are Deborah's and Esther's. We are warriors. But we don't want to do this alone. My brothers, I hope today the Lord has reminded you of how important you are in our lives. You complement and fortify the mission the Lord has called us. And we want to live out that mission with you by our side. I don't believe that most men undervalue, sabotage, or dismiss women. While God's command is clear for us women, it is often muffled in society. We need you Christian men to exemplify the to the world God's desire for us women to flourish. Set the example, call out, and take risks when you see women being hushed discriminated, dismissed, or abused. Help us live out our purpose. There are plenty of obstacles in our path. We don't need more. We need you to be our Barak's and Mordecai. Yes, you men 
are Barak's and Mordecai's. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27, it's a long, beautiful scripture. But at the end, it says, a body has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For the total, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Together, women and men make up the body of Christ as he desires. It is pleasing to the Lord that we are walking together, united and building that what he wants on earth. So let us remember It is not women's desire to flourish. It is God's desire for women to flourish. So how many of you women have been felt activated this morning? Raise your hand. Yes, absolutely. Woo! I want to share something about this rebozo. In Mexico and in Central America, the rebozo is often used traditionally has often been used to carry babies. I've also seen very young women today wrap themselves in some kind of contraption to carry babies. It's been used to feed babies and cover in modesty. It has been used to carry groceries and haul them back to the house. Sometimes it makes us look pretty. I don't know about me. Yeah, my age, I... Just kind of anything I can throw myself to help. Sometimes we can use it as our super cape, as a superpower, right? So this rebozo serves in so many ways to remind ourselves, to remind ourselves that we are not alone. We can be covered. And so today, I invite my sister Roxanne Sonia, I want to give this rebozo a new meaning. I want you to feel that you are protected and warmth and covered in the power of the love of Jesus, that you feel his strength as you wear this, that you are empowered by him to be an Esther and a Deborah. Right on. Good. Well, you know, alongside every woman of God who's activated, oftentimes you'll find someone there like Barack, who is, I guess, activating that woman. Um, beside Lorena, you would find her awesome husband, Rene, who is a strong man of God himself. And I stand beside and then oftentimes behind my awesome wife, Jeannie, who makes such an impact here in the world. I thank the Lord for my mother, who has a strong voice, and my daughter, Reagan, who is growing in her voice uh, in this world. But I saw a great example of what we're talking about today. About a week and a half ago, I was at a conference in Dallas. When I got done giving my talk, I went down into the audience to just listen to a panel discussion about activating women in the church. And it was a panel of 
pastor's wives and one of my pastor friends, Billy Island, was leading the discussion. I brought a picture of Billy and his wife, Helena. And Helena was the last one to speak on the panel. And as she concluded, tears came to her eyes. And she pointed to her husband, Billy. And she said, I want to honor this man. Because in the midst of receiving an $18 million donation to build our new church, the giver of the gift made the gift contingent upon taking my name off of our website as a co-founder of our church. And Billy turned down $18 million because he valued his wife as a co-founder of that church. I want to tell you, at City Tribe, ladies, you're worth more. You're worth way more than $18 million to us. We love you. We thank God for you. And so, as we wrap up today, uh, I kind of love these rebozos. And uh, Lorena feels so strongly about this. Ladies, if you want one of these, just go out to the Tribe Connect tent today and just sign up for it. And she's going to send you one as her gift because she wants you guys to be activated today, ladies. And if I were a lady, I'd go get one because, you know, uh, pastors love free stuff. You know what I mean? Beautiful. It's like, you know, some people eat vegan. I'm a freegan. If there's a free meal, I go get it, right on? So anyways, as we wrap up today, let's stand up together and receive a word of benediction. And uh, if you'd like, if you're near your crew, put an arm around them, put a hand out in a position to receive if you'd like. And dear sisters, walk from here as Esther's and Deborah's activated to share your much-needed voice in this world. And dear brothers, walk from here, activating your ladies like Barak, like Mordecai. Go from here as you're activated to take the great love of our good God to a world that desperately needs it. Know you're loved, and we'll see you guys next Sunday. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.